Welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I had an epiphany on, uh, I was driving yesterday just like thinking about what we were going to talk about today, and I had an epiphany that uh, our podcast name is like way more apt than I ever really thought it was, because we've never really talked about where the name Into the Aether came from or why. Like it literally just came from the Aether, like I think... (laughs) <laughs> I think it was like it a bit in our did. first test episode when this was like an unnamed podcast, right? I remember when before this started, like you reached out to me and were like, hey, like I miss talking about video games with you. Like, and I was like, oh, I feel the same way. Let's meet up. Um, and then we both went on Skype and you went, okay, so what is this? Like, you just yeah. immediately, like, no plan. And I think, like you said, I mean, the name is is more apt than we thought. Originally, I, I, I recently listened to the very first pilot episode where I was talking to you through a tin can and mm-hmm. string. Well, there was another and, episode before the the E3 one that got to, that was lost. To I think Aether. that I think yeah. that's where that came from. The name come, I think so. But in the in the first episode that exists, we say the show is called Floating Around the Aether. Which oh, is significantly right. less good. Yeah, <laughs> I could see the subscriber count being halved by floating <laughs> floating around the Aether. Yeah. Well, what I like about it is like. It like this app, this show constantly is us going into the aether, like starting off at ground level. Like, let's talk about video games today. It's going to be yeah. great. And then, like 15 minutes up, later, like, you're doing your <laughs> Arthur Morgan impression. But you're like, I think that robots might come back in time. <laughs> and it's going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It becomes like an ironic conspiracy theorist. <laughs> like, I'll tell you a thing or two about lizards. They know more than we think they do. <laughs> I'm just saying nobody that blinks sideways should have that much intel. <laughs> Actually, no, it's emus that blink sideways, isn't it? There are some lizards, I think, that, mu- that must. There must be one lizard that blinks vertically. I only remember the, um, the guy that runs the pawn shop in Men in Black blinking sideways. <laughs> That's the only time I've ever seen that. If that guy's not in Red Dead 2 in some way, I'm going to throw that game to the toilet. <laughs> what would you do if you were playing that game? Com- like, that game, so grounded so real yeah. you walk into one of the shops and you're like i think i'm gonna buy this can of beans and the guy goes yeah you're welcome partner and then blink sideways <laughs> <laughs> got a catalog of the newest ammunition <laughs> like you see like his lizard tongue come out yeah his tongue is a proboscis it like slips out for yeah. a second yeah what the hell's going on in this town yeah <laughs> all the all the shelves they like flip around like they're like mechanized and they flip around and there's like the there's like the uh what was it called the cricket from men in black the little tiny gun that, that will smith gets <laughs> you know what is even more bizarre that like as soon as you said you mentioned the shelves my first thought was going to a shop and read it to his arthur morgan and all the items for sale being like beauty and the beast alive like things like <laughs> talking and singing like i'm a can of beans just a can of beans uh mrs potts is like just a wad of tobacco (laughs) (laughs) do you think that like in that situation where all of the items for sale in red dead redemption 2 are alive they want you to buy them a la toy story 
wanting to be played with or are they like if i stay perfectly still he won't notice me and he won't take me and eat me knowing knowing how red dead 2 operates i feel like they probably want you to take them but then you have to like clean name and like feed them <laughs> so like suddenly you're in a fucking hellscape where you have to feed your can of tobacco <laughs> <laughs> uh who's voiced by like dana carvey or someone yeah um, yeah <laughs> Well, uh, anyway. here we are in the aether already. As yeah, seriously. <laughs> that was uh, one of the strangest beginning bits, but yeah, here we are. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I actually want to talk a little bit about Pokemon again. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Just the left turn from Biddy and the Beast Red Dead to like, all right, let's back to Pokemon. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. We I, I think the, the description of this podcast is still like you and I are just trying to avoid talking about Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Um, yeah. I do think that we have mentioned Pokemon or talked about Pokemon in every single episode of this podcast so far. This is episode yeah. 20, I think, and we've done it in every episode. Well, I think we both have franchises we're really into, and I think I would argue, just like without thinking too much about it, that Pokemon's probably the one we're like on the same level at. Yeah. Um, I think so. Because yeah. like, whenever I talk about Final Fantasy, you just like kind of, and mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I have to carry on. Um but uh but i'm always here for you so you know that's the irony of this podcast uh so yeah uh-huh. oh you know what it is destiny 2 i have to eventually start playing with you that's sort of the the time bomb of this podcast too yeah maybe i don't know man I, uh i wasn't planning on talking about destiny but let's talk about destiny for a second because i went back and i started playing it a little bit last night just to like i haven't played that game in a, in a while i talked about it a lot i think earlier in recording this podcast and yeah forsaken came out there was like the big dlc there's another big dlc thing dropping on tuesday like this coming tuesday um so it will have been out for a day by the time you hear this podcast um but essentially they've switched from like big dlc drops to they have a season pass and they're going to be rolling out content uh Mm. every i think every like two months but it's all going to be like weekly drops within those two months okay so you're basically like getting something new some new piece of content, a new like exotic quest line, a new like regular quest line, uh, like a weird like event, like a weird like PvP event or something. Basically, every week from now until the end of Destiny 2's life cycle, which is very cool. Like that's a really great way of like leaning into the Destiny is a whole new thing and it's an evolving world. Like I feel like a lot of games claim that and they never really achieve it. Destiny, since Forsaken has come out, has really kind of like figured that out. Yeah. Um, but also in doing so, I have found myself playing it less and wanting to play it less. Um, oh, interesting. And as someone who, uh, I mean, you and I, when we used to write for our old site, like we got, I don't know, if, were you in the alpha of that game also? Destiny 1? <laughs> Fun fact, when I wrote for that website, I only had a 3DS oh, in terms right. of like having current <laughs> gen systems. This was in 2013, so it wasn't like... yeah unthinkable to not have a ps4 yet because a lot of games were still coming out for like 360 and Mm -hmm. ps3 yeah but that's there's a reason why when we wrote our game of the year articles everyone's like last of us uh bioshock infinite and i'm like fire emblem awakening Uh and whatever else came out on the yeah bravely default or something (laughs) i wasn't into that but yeah i did love fire emblem that that honestly that still would have been my game of the year back then yeah hot take Anyway, <laughs> hot 2013 take hot 2013. That's what take. you come to this podcast for. Um, Everyone's here for it. So I don't know. I, I played the alpha of that game and like from go, I was like, this is the game for me and have been playing destiny and like kind of standing beside destiny and like just kind of trying to preach 
the good word of, hey, this game is not shit like the internet would have you believe. Um, but I fell off. I fell off recently and, and I went back and played it a little bit last night to try and like really dive into like, why am I not playing this game anymore? This thing that like has been a part of my life for five whole years at this point. Yeah. You've been a destiny prophet. Basically. Or at least a door to door salesman. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Um, <laughs> I just met like someone like knocking on a door and like, hi, hi there. Hi, would you hi like there. to look into the stars until you, your eyes turn white and you become an entirely new race of human being? Hi, I know what you're thinking. Uh, I wish my consciousness could continue after my material body decomposes. <laughs> well, I have one syllable, two syllables for you. XO <laughs> sign right here. Sign right here. That weirdly, I feel like is also the beginning of Fallout 4. But anyway, <laughs> it really is. Uh, anyway, anyway, so I, I yeah. turned on Destiny 2 yesterday just to like kind of prep myself for the DLC that's coming out on Tuesday. And I think I realized what happened. I think I, I finally clued into like, why am I not playing this game anymore? Because I thought I was just taking a break from it, but I think I just don't mm. enjoy it anymore. What has happened, I think is that they have finally kind of stepped aside from saying like this game is for everyone and there's always something to do when you come in and are instead now kind of devoting all of their updates towards the hardcore player base, mm. which I always considered myself part of. But right. I think where they have drawn the line is like if you were to like map it out on on a on a timeline or like a grid they drew the line like right after where i am i am <clears throat> right before the level of devotion that you need to continue playing that game yeah i know like, that feeling i know that feeling very well yeah i was gonna say like not to cut you off but that's how i feel about a lot of fighting games because mm. you know i <clears throat> like i played um this year, I would say my favorite fighting game was was definitely the Dragon Ball Z one. Yeah, and I got pretty into that. And I I, I fare okay online. I mean, I only play every now and then. Um, I but the thing the thing that happens whenever I get a fighting game is I get too good to play with like friends who've never picked it up before. Mm -hmm. They don't want to play. Yeah. And then when I go online, I like have a fifty fifty chance of winning because I'm right. I'm like too good to be like casual about it. But I'm certainly not devoting like a day or night of my life to like figuring out like the the millisecond frames of a kick, you <laughs> right. know? Yeah. Um, and that's where I think you have to be to like be in the the upper echelon of of people who play those games. So. Definitely. But I enjoy where I'm at. But it sounds like <clears throat> the the good news with with a with a game like Dragon Ball, I can't ever remember if it's Dragon Ball Fighter Z or Dragon Ball Z Fighter, but regardless. Yeah. Um I think it's Fighter Z, which drives me crazy that it's not yeah. just fighters. <laughs> like just they lean into the nineties shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um but they're not making content that kind of like pushes you outside of the game if you're not in that echelon of players. Right. Which it sounds like we were saying with Destiny 2, it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. So like there is something new to do every single day. Like every time you log in, there is a new uh, small thing that you can do that will get you a powerful piece of gear that will increase your light level in some way. Uh, your light level, for those of you who don't play Destiny, being like the overall level. So uh, between, I think, zero and 600, I think, is the cap right now until Tuesday when it goes up again. Mm. But right now, the rate at which you acquire things, I think, is so slow. And the things that they ask you to do are often not things that I want to be doing. 
that like I just don't feel any incentive to continue playing it the way I used to. There used to be a part of me that loved hitting the light level cap and then just like fucking around in all the end game stuff. And I just don't feel that drive to do that anymore. Like Iron Banner, which I think I mentioned a while ago, Iron Banner is a PvP mode that shows up once a month where uh, your light level matters. Like the power level of all of your gear actually comes into play. Usually PvP is just like flat, like your light level doesn't matter. It's just what weapons you have. Iron Banner used to be my favorite thing in Destiny and no longer is because my light level is so low because I have so little time to play that mm. I just can never do Iron Banner again and like yeah. succeed in any meaningful way, which like is a bummer to get like gated out of the game that I like. I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to see what the new stuff is like story wise and I will definitely play it. But at the same time, like every single week there's new stuff in the dreaming city which is like that lord of the rings in space thing that i was telling you about <laughs> yeah that's what almost sold me on it yeah i mean yeah. it's the end game of forsaken it's really cool it's it's a it's beautiful art directed incredibly but i just have not felt the desire to go back and continue playing around in that space because like there's no incentive to do so because they're asking me to play gambit which is like a new pvp slash pve mode or they're asking me to play rumble which is like every man for himself in pvp or i have to go do an adventure on like one specific planet on tuesday or something um <laughs> so like they're incentivizing me to do things i don't want to do and the things i am interested in i have no reason to go continue doing which is interesting and like you know this game ebbs and flows both literally like in the things that they're introducing um and also i think in the philosophy behind the design of the game so like this could change. They could realize that there are fewer people playing because of the exact things that I'm talking about uh, and, sure. and make some shifts. And like that angers a large portion of the Internet when Destiny changes what it is. I think that that's kind of amazing um, that, that you can do that on that scale for a game that costs this much money. But yeah, Destiny. Yeah, that that is interesting. I guess they are trying to appease like a, a lot of different portions of the fan base. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard balance. I wonder, too, if that's also just... Uh, this is not to to discredit the claims you just made, but I'm wondering if what you're feeling now is also kind of like part of the course for devoting time to an MMO, if you want to consider it that. Yeah. My experience with MMOs is very scarce. Like I played WoW way, way back in the day, like in 2007 when it was everywhere. Right. And I never really got that into it because what would happen is my friends would be like, oh, make a new character. I'll make one a level with you. And then like, you know, I would play like a normal human. And mm -hmm. then in a week, they would have like a top level <laughs> character that was just shoulder pads with like a solar system <laughs> rotating around them. And I'm yeah. still like a, just a night elf with lamb chop sideburns eating steak with a pet gorilla. Yeah, because that that's a game where I think if people fell really hard into WoW, it's because they were part of like a guild or like mm -hmm. a group of friends who who had like weekly objectives that they had to like keep up with. Like I remember I had friends who like it almost looked like they didn't want to play, but they had to, which was kind of scary. Yeah. That's that's Where, what I'm feeling right now is like, yeah. I feel like if I if I want to play Destiny, I also have to play Destiny. You know what right, I mean? Right. Um, yeah. Which I like that is just there are so many other games out now. Yeah. I don't know and if I, I can devote that kind of time. I'm going to go ahead and break our oath and talk about Oblivion because I think just sort of personally, the reason I'm, I'm not a big MMO guy, really. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that what I liked about WoW, I played as a hunter and I, that was the best class to solo. And I just liked exploring and like seeing the different parts of the world because they're really interesting. Yeah. But I think I, I fell way more into Oblivion because I did kind of like that solitary sense of adventure. And yeah. 
I also liked, at least at the time, I remember I had a free trial for WoW during Cataclysm back in 2010. <laughs> and I remember uh-huh. they made they made soloing a bit more interesting. So I'm sure the game has changed in this regard. But like when I played, it was like kill eight ostriches and get eight ostrich feathers and then go back and like yeah super monotonous whereas in oblivion all the quests you know you had your standard like go kill goblins quests but it was usually very like nuanced and interesting right and even when it wasn't like i remember there was a there was almost a commentary on monotonous quests in the fighters guild one of the first quests is you have to uh you're told like someone has rats in their basement oh and that's yeah. like no one there's no quest more like akin to you are a level one traveler than killing rats mm-hmm. but it's a setup because she she actually has pet rats and a mountain lion is eating them <laughs> so, so then you have to not only kill the mountain lion but you have to find out like which of her neighbors is like putting like red meat outside her house to lure a mountain lion there yeah um and like i i was so much more into that than like kill eight ostriches right um and I, I, I feel like it's fair to compare the two games because they are both like a massive open fantasy world. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but I guess like there there is a lot of pitfalls in an MMO to begin to feel like a job and to begin to feel like if you're not playing every week, you will fall behind. And then suddenly you're like you're suddenly you're like not able to do the things you want to. Yeah, like, you know, I, I think I took a week off when Spider-Man came out and just played Spider-Man for that week. And then I came back and it was like, oh, shit, now I'm behind everyone else. And that only that 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 gap just grew and grew and grew until the point where I'm at now, where I think my level is like 520 something. And like all of my friends are at 600 and everyone else that I see, like whenever I'm playing Crucible is also 600. So it's like, OK, uh, they're all ready for the next thing. And I'm still catching up and there's no way that I can really. Um, yeah. Yeah weird well if you want to catch up i think my exo titan is basically like stardust at this point like he is his uh-huh. light level is like he's just a shadow actually mm-hmm. he's nothing yeah so if we, if you want to play with me and just sort of like get dunked on all day we could do that i honestly like if you started <laughs> playing i would love to just catch you up on everything that has happened in that game and just like take yeah. you on a on a fun tour of destiny 2 and then yeah we could do that yeah, that sounds fun. I know we say that a lot, but I now that I actually have the game in my like terabyte hard drive, uh, we can play. Yeah, that's also like one of the best things I purchased was because I, I had to keep deleting games off my PS4. I don't even have that many, but they're all just so big. Like Red Dead alone takes yeah. up like eight PS4s. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's it's worth the investment. Yeah. I yeah. think uh, I think I, I will just continue to endorse on this podcast going out and getting an external hard drive for your Xbox or your PS4 because it is the best. Having every single game that I own downloaded on my hard drive at mm-hmm. any given time and I can just go load up any of them whenever I want, except for I think Horizon and Spider-Man, which are the only two I have on disc. It's the best. I also have a, for my Switch, I have like an SD card. Um, yes I'm, i've almost yeah. filled up my sd card on my switch at this point which is amazing oh, really? that there are that many games <laughs> yeah i uh yeah I'm, i i have most games for some reason i like having more like i have way more digital games on ps4 and i have a lot of like in person in person, in person. <laughs> i have holograms of switch games to talk to mm-hmm. you know yeah hey, i Mario, what's up i started going digital only with the 3ds and the vita just because I liked in a handheld console being able to have everything at any given time uh, in case, you know, I was in the middle of playing one game and my 
my feelings changed on a whim. Uh, on I a could, whim. I could do that. But yeah. I also, when I got the PS4, kind of devoted myself to doing the same thing with PS4. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah, I love it. Anywho, that's what Anywho. I have to say about Destiny 2, Forsaken, and soon to be the Black Armory, launching soon. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a bit of a break yeah. and then talk about Pokemon? I would love to talk about Pokemon. Um, sorry for the bait and switch here, folks, because you were like, <laughs> can't I talk about Pokemon? And then like, I was just like, I just whispered in your ear, Destiny 2. And you're like, well, okay, while we're on the topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, it is just weird that I just happened to last night decide, like, I'm going to play this for an hour to try and figure out why I don't like it. Yeah. No, this is good. I mean, we've had, uh, we've had shorter episodes recently and only had two games, so... This is the traditional good old fashioned three part episode. Yes. Uh, here we Ooh. Are. Yeah. The three act structure. The three act structure. This was the uh, the fellowship. We'll do the two <laughs> towers of Pokemon next. Yeah. Yeah. We're right. we're, we're going to hit uh, the lowest point of the narrative of the of the hero's journey in the next part. Gary Oak is like, hey, man, you think it's tough finding the Elite Four? Well, these are the stories that really matter. OK. I mm-hmm. hear Gary Oak sounds like uh, Scratch. <laughs> okay i i will also say before we take a break yeah it, uh that's one of the bits we keep going back to is flipping squat fl- flipping squats uh flipping scratch <laughs> our weird alter egos that yeah. are sponsored by mountain dew yeah i feel like we've i feel like i'm gonna put you on the spot because i feel like we've gotten a lot of lore for scratch but like nothing for flip so like just not to put you on the spot but yeah. i'm going to what sort of flips deal like we know scratch lives with his dad and like yeah, got his eyes gouged out to do the near automata very hard run yeah like what's what's flip up to i feel like flip uh is the kind of person who has a jewel uh and a boosted board uh both of them like maybe purchased for him by his parents he works at gamestop uh but he's like always <laughs> of course yeah he works at gamestop he's always on the edge of being fired i think because maybe he's not mm. uh upselling people enough because he you know he doesn't want to like abide by corporate structure um, okay He's like very anti-corporate, but then he's like, yeah, have you heard of Banksy? And like, he never remembers if you've, if you've already had this conversation. Right. Yeah. He loves Banksy. He really likes Banksy. And he's always like, no one knows who he is, but I think I have a hunch. (laughs) (laughs) What if Flip is Banksy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there it is. That's the lore. Flip is Banksy. Yeah. Okay. Flip. A jeweling, boosted boarding uh, person who is inheriting money from his parents, works at GameStop, is not good at working at GameStop, and also might be Banksy. Also might be Banksy. Also sold a painting that self-destructed recently. Yes, but only half by accident. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's all I needed. Now we're we're on the same page. All right, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Bye. Can you do shows with laugh tracks still? Or do you, is it like a thing you have to get over? I feel like once I am used to it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, same. Depends on the show. You can tell when a show has a live city audience and like maybe it's like, you know, doctored up a bit. Mm -hmm. And when it's like just a laugh track. Yeah. Like I I forgot what show I was watching, but the laugh track. Oh, (laughs) so my roommates were watching the original, well, not original, but like the 90s Melissa Joan Hart, Sabrina. Oh, yeah. And uh, because... My one roommate's a really big fan of the new show and and read the the comic, which apparently is really good. He was watching that to sort of like get in the mindset, even though it's very different, but you know, same series. And the laugh track in that show is wild. Like it goes off in the weirdest moments and like doesn't go off when it should. Like it feels like an intern did the laugh editing in that show. Like it does not. It's wild. It's, It's worth watching just for that. 
Yeah. I was just going to say, I feel like we should put a laugh track in this show sometime. <laughs> I like the most inappropriate part. It's like, yes, I'm playing Destiny 2 again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should put in? Rather than the laugh track, I always like the can. Ooh. Like the, like in Full House when someone said something kind of shitty and the audience yeah. is like, ooh. Yeah. That, that's how that moment would go, actually, with you at the... And the Thanksgiving when you're like, actually, let's not do this. <laughs> hey, Steven, how's it going? Nah. <laughs> you know how like on Facebook you can like, love, haha, wow, or yeah. angry, sad? The studio audience emotions are laugh, applause, woohoo, ooh, and, and Awe is the mo- most emotionally complex of all of them, because like that could be kind of out of pity too. <laughs> George is like, I got a new job. Aww. Okay. Episode be called. (laughs) 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 Okay, (laughs) I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you just did by accident. (laughs) What? (laughs) You just blended the two. (laughs) You just blended the ooh and the lap track simultaneously. I merge studio emotion. <laughs> it's like it's like a deep learning AI like that, <laughs> that has five emotions, but it slowly realizes them. that there are more that it needs to express and starts to yeah. blend them. <laughs> and then eventually it starts screaming. <laughs> Blends all five. <laughs> yeah, it blends all five and speeds it up. So it's like. That sounds like the Glover scream. This is the Glover scream. All right, all right, all right. All right oh right. my we god, we gotta get out of here. This is turning into the whole podcast. I'm looking at the audacity <laughs> files, and it's like so it's like a, a blue line, then just like a bunch of giant waves. Oh my god. Good lord. Hey friends, welcome back. Uh, if we sound like we just started crying, I don't know what's going to be in the audio, but we went down a rabbit hole during the break and and both started crying. We went as laughter. far into the aether as we've ever been. <laughs> we saw we saw the horizon of the universe. Hopefully, hopefully at least part of that is included. So you'll included so you'll know what we're talking about. But uh, yeah. regardless, we are back, back on track. And mm-hmm. uh, Brendan, you want to talk about Pokemon, which we have failed miserably to do (laughs) yeah so why don't you do that yeah absolutely so i've been playing pokemon let's go um (laughs) sorry i'm trying to shake off the giggles but i can't all right i'm I'm trying to not do studio audience reactions to everything that's happening (laughs) me too i'll play let's go eevee um (laughs) so i've been playing pokemon let's go um, I am towards the end of the game at this point. Um, uh, okay. I am at Blaine. 
So I am at. I, I totally forgot who Blaine was. Who the hell is Blaine? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Blaine's the uh, the alligator wearing a backwards hat and skateboards. <laughs> Blaine's the fire gym leader, right? He is. Yeah, he's on Cinnabar Island. He's number seven. That is a joke. So you need to get surf to get to him. So you're just gonna like surf over his gym. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in this game. Your Eevee or your Pikachu is the one that learns surf. Oh, interesting. All, instead of, instead in of having to teach HMs to uh, people, they're just called secret techniques. And then you can just tap on your Eevee at any point and have them do any of them. I like that a lot. Do they Can they use that in combat or is it just out of combat? Just out of combat. But all the moves, so like fly and surf and stuff still do exist as TMs that you can learn. So they all do the classic thing. Like That's fly, way better. Yeah. You, you go up into the air and skip a move or whatever. Once the series, I actually think it was your favorite, black and white that made TMs reusable. Stepping away from HMs being mandatory was a really good move for the series. Yeah, completely agree. So, Sun and Moon has something similar where like you can ride like a Tauros around and like mm-hmm. break boulders. That's really cool. Yeah. What's great about Let's Go is uh, some of the Pokemon that you can let out of the Pokeball that will follow you around are big enough that you can ride them. I don't know. I think we talked about this in, in the other episode, but uh, like your Haunter. Haunter's huge. Haunter's a huge Pokemon. I didn't realize how big Haunter was. Haunter is yeah. the size of like two human children stacked on top of each other. <laughs> and y- you ride him around, you just like hold on to him. Oh, Snorlax, you literally are just like grabbing onto his belly as That's he just amazing. kind of like waddles around. But then there's like Persian, where if you get on a Persian, they're like a fucking leopard and you just kind of like zip around. It's almost like having a bike. I can't believe that. That sounds so cool. Yeah. I had to get this just for that. It's rad. But yeah, so I'm almost towards the end of the game. I, I did the thing where you can really only do, I think in the first games, red, blue, yellow, and now this one by extension. Um, but you can kind of do a lot of the stuff out of order. So I kind of like, I made it to Saffron City and Sabrina. And then I was like, actually, I'm out of here. And then went down to uh, go to Fuchsia City, where uh, I got surf and then went from Fuchsia down to Cinnabar. And I went and caught Articuno in uh, the Seafoam Islands. So like, I I did a bunch of stuff like out of order. And then I went back and did Sabrina and then uh, the Fuchsia City gym. So I've been kind of doing it uh, in that's the poison one, right? That one's tricky. That one is tricky. That one is tricky. They still have the invisible walls because that was in the red and blue. Yes. Like all this, um, it does also have the in walls. Saffron City. Is there the like fighting type dojo still? Yes. Where you get Hitmonchan or Hitmonlee. Mm-hmm. That's all. Who do you choose usually? Uh, Lee. Okay. Our dynamic continues. I'm Hitmonchan. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I think Lee yeah. has better stats overall. He does, but Hitmonchan gets more types. So yes. like all the different fire and ice punches and stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, realistically, I was never going to use either of them. So I just took one, you know, cold hearted. Yeah. You took your headless chest with the face Pokemon and put him in your computer. <laughs> I did in Bill's box. Bill's box. Someone's PC. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I'm getting towards the end of the game and I'm still really, really, really liking it. Um, it is a both what I wanted from Diablo three in that it is like the perfect game to play while watching other things, which oh, is great. Cool. And I think yeah. that's mostly because I know everything that happens already. You know, I've played right, through red right. and blue and like that story so many times. But part of that is like I spend so much time just like going out and catching Pokemon that it's like such a monotonous thing that I can have something like Seinfeld in the background. <laughs> but 
yeah it's it's really really good i will say that um the one thing that i find really interesting about it and i kind of alluded to this the first time we talked about this but it does still feel like the biggest like extension or biggest like deviance from the classic pokemon formula um that we've ever seen really like everything else up until this point, I think has been iterative, just building on what was already there. Some refinement here and there, but this is like a change. This is like a yeah. like a real shift in how the game works and operates. And I still think that catching Pokemon um, or going into the Pokemon Go mechanic to catch things instead of battling them is the right move. I still think that that is more enjoyable to me and makes the game feel fresher and more interesting, mm-hmm. like separating out catching and battling um it it actually is worth noting that for pokemon like articuno or snorlax um or mewtwo like you do have to battle them before you can go into the go mechanic and catch them so like for legendaries or like one-time catches like it is still an event like you still there's like a little cutscene that happens and then you fight them and you have a limited time to fight them which is great there's like a countdown timer uh in the top left that's like you have five minutes to beat this thing or else it's gone which is kind of cool um yeah But I I think that separating those things out is still the correct move. The one thing that I feel like is still rough around the edges, and it's weird to say because like this game is technically the first of its kind to do this stuff. So like it it does make sense. Like if you consider this the first game in in a new franchise or in a franchise, like it does make sense that there would be some stuff that still needs to get refined even more. But I still think that like going into the Pokemon Go mechanic, having the uh, there, there's like a for those of you who haven't played Pokemon Go or Let's Go, the way you catch things is there's like a ring around a Pokemon and then a, another ring that kind of like closes over and over again inside that bigger ring. And if you are able to hit the Pokeball that you're throwing within that ring when it's at its smallest, that's considered an excellent throw. And then there's like different ranks depending on how big the ring is inside the other ring. So there's excellent, I think great, and then nice, and then just like nothing if it's like, if they're both the same size. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) It says nothing. Yeah. It says whoops. Um, That reminds me, uh, in our Pokemon Snap, where Professor Oak would go like, wonderful. Nice shot. Oh my God. I I imagine him just going, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wonderful. You were close. There, so there has always been an element of chance when you're catching a Pokemon, right? Mm. There has always been that, like, this Pokemon is hard to catch, and even if you get the health down to as low as possible, and it's asleep, like, there's still a chance that you're not going to catch it. That, I feel, was always mitigated by those status effects and by the health bar. Now, because that stuff is gone... You really only have that ring and those like text prompts to go off of. So there are instances in which I will go to catch like a Diglett, for example, and I will get an excellent throw over and over and over again, and it will continually break out of the ball. And I just Mm. there's nothing I can do about that. And then eventually it'll just run away if you fuck up too many times. But like I wonder I wonder what stat corresponds to that. Like, I wonder if it's like speed or whatnot, because Diglets are very fast. So, yeah, I'm not yeah. really sure. Yeah. But that's I'll the thing is that all of that is obfuscated from the player. Like, there's no like getting excellent over and over and over again. You would think that that would increase your chances at all. Right. It seems to not. So when you are doing something like I am, where I, I am constantly going out and doing these catch combos, because if you catch the same kind of Pokemon over and over again, it counts as a combo. 
Um, and the higher you get in that combo, the higher your chance of finding both rarer Pokemon and also shiny Pokemon. And also the high, I think it increases your chance of getting items when you catch Pokemon as well. Uh, sometimes it'll just come with items. So I'm doing this. I, I went into Diglett Cave and I was just going and catching Diglets over and over and over again, just kind of like ambiently while I was watching TV. And I was at like a catch combo of 70 or so at this point. <clears throat> and for some reason, this one Diglett, I got excellent throws over and over and over again, I think like two or three times. And then it just ran away, which breaks the combo. And like, there was no difference. I was still using Ultra Balls every single time. Uh, I was getting excellent throws every single time. And it still just like broke out, broke out, broke out and then ran. Um, <coughs> yeah. And that feels out of my control, you know? Yeah, that, that makes sense. I do think uh, as you're talking, it, it seems like, and again, I haven't played it yet, but just based on your conversation about the game and what I've seen, I do think you're right in that like the future of the series might be what this game is setting out to accomplish. Um, and it sounds like as different as it is, they also went about it kind of safer. They're like, okay, the core game is the world of red and blue. So like anyone who grew up with this series is going to is going to feel welcome. Yeah. But the catching mechanics are going to be Pokemon Go. So anyone newer to the series is also going to feel welcome. Yeah. And I wonder if the next step, if they want to do another kind of console release in this realm, in this kind of style is to maybe try to implement those better. Um, so yeah. it's like because I, I actually really like the idea of what they do with the legendaries where like it starts off as a battle. And then when you get to the catch state, it's different. That might be really exciting because then you're making a game out of what is normally going to a menu and clicking Pokeball. So like that way you kind of have the best of both where you're 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 like, okay, I know as a player, if I weaken them, I will have a greater chance. So that way you feel like it's not out of your control, but you still have that excitement of throwing the ball and and having that kind of mini game. And maybe it's as simple as their status or their health affecting how fast or slow the ring forms um yeah. you know so I, that seems like a pretty tangible next step for them to do if, if I, I imagine they will do another let's go kind of style game maybe maybe this time in the silver and gold i mean that would be my dream let's that go would also be my dream yeah um, i think um i mean to bounce off that point i could see that being the 2019 pokemon like i could see that saying like you know, the, the thing that people didn't like or like the hardcore fans, I guess, if you want to call them that, um, that didn't like the idea of Let's Go because it was a Pokemon Go mechanics. What if you included the Pokemon Go mechanics in what they already like? Um, I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, I think so, too. And I Blending think that it, it's kind of like what they did with Link Between Worlds is <clears> almost <throat> like a secret like beta test for Breath of the Wild, where like right. it was the first Zelda game that was like, OK, you can go in any direction. And. For the most part, it succeeded in that. I, and I think Breath of the Wild just like took it even. I mean, that game took it 100 steps further. Yeah. Um, but it's not on like Let's Go in the sense that Link Between Worlds was set in an older game mm-hmm. um, with newer mechanics. So I feel like Nintendo is like secretly beta testing with that idea. Yeah. And I, and I honestly think that having a console based Pokemon game where pokemon are more like lived in in the world they're not just numbers in your pc you can ride them you can mm-hmm. like get to know them and then having the catching be more interactive that sounds like exactly what everyone has always wanted yeah and i think that you know it might not be perfectly executed this time around but it sounds like that's the direction they're going in so hopefully they'll kind of uh, sand off some of the rough edges of this one and we'll see the next game be like okay maybe 
it's in a different setting this time. Maybe it's in a new setting. Right. But now that everyone is kind of like, because I would consider this game a success in terms of its critical and commercial, you know, standings. They're also not going to ever stop making Pokemon games. So like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, as I said in, a, in an older episode, I feel like Ultra Sun feels like the farthest you could push the traditional formula. Yeah. So I think that like, let's go may very well be the, the next step for the series. And maybe they could find a middle ground of it feeling a little bit more. I feel like games should always give you the option. Like I think that that's like, you know, we talk about destiny Two kind of making an exclusive vibe of just catering to the hardcore players. You want everyone to feel like they can play a game, you know, mm-hmm. like I have a lot of friends who I think would be more into video games. if They didn't feel like they weren't good. And it makes me sad to hear that. You know, it's like, I'm not good at video games. I've just been playing them long enough that like I can hop in and kind of like unconsciously know what to expect. Right. Same thing with board games. Like if you play enough board games, you could be like, oh, this is just this, but with different rules. Yeah. But when you're playing, yeah, you're new increasing game, your vocabulary of yeah. Game mechanics. Yeah. So I think that like, I think that games in all areas can benefit from being more inclusive. And I think giving a player the option kind of like a near automata, you can play the game when you die in one hit or you can play the game where like to be literally fights automatically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and I think that like, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a game I'll get into, also gives you that where like one of the difficulties, like I think it's just called story, where it's like we're yeah. gonna make this game as easy as possible so you can just enjoy the story. That's what you're in for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that Pokemon could benefit from that. Maybe like you, I think you actually said this in an earlier episode where like Assassin's Creed Odyssey gives you like, do you want to do the traditional formula or the new one? Pokemon could very well do that yeah. uh, for the for the mechanics. So yeah. And I feel like uh, hot on the heels of the success of Pokemon Let's Go, if that is supposed to be a new entry point for either, you know, old kind of lapsed fans or just new fans entirely, it would be kind of a weird jump to have to expect those people to suddenly ditch all the mechanics that they just grew to love um, and just learned for the first time in the 2019 Pokemon when that comes out. I feel like it would make more sense to allow for both or allow for this blend that we are concocting here in the Aether. And the Aether. Is the 2019, is that for 3DS or for Switch? That's for Switch. Oh, so we're getting two Pokemon games for Switch. Yes. Oh my god. I didn't, I thought, for some reason I thought it was for 3DS. No, 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 no. It is, it is the new mainline Pokemon game for the Nintendo Switch. That's what I keep talking about when I say, like, is it going to be a Breath of the Wild, like, huge fucking leap oh into the god. future? Or is it going to be, like, Let's Go, where it's, like, you know, what you come to expect, just higher res buildings, you know? Why is anyone upset about anything? That's amazing. <laughs> uh, well, regarding Pokemon specifically. Yeah. They're also, Game Freak's working on that game Town. Do you remember that? It was an E3. Yeah. Uh, that looks pretty wild. It does look so, good. I, I honestly think, again, as, as we as we say almost every episode, I think that the Switch is establishing itself as like every, almost every series is kind of taking the next big step. Yeah. Uh, with some exceptions, but like overall... Uh, and Pokemon is arguably like Nintendo's even more than I think Mario and Zelda. It's like their yeah. cash cow, you know? Absolutely. So that has the potential of either falling into tradition because that's going to make money no matter what. But it sounds like they're really trying to make it something special. And it sounds like they already have. Like that's the thing. I think Let's Go Pikachu already seems like, and Let's Go Eevee, already seems like a really cool step for the series. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can't wait to get it. I'm probably going to get it around Christmas time. That's, mm. that's when I'll get it. So I'll talk about my experience. That seems like a good holiday game to play. Oh, yeah. I'll be in New Jersey. I'll have some pizza. That'll be good. Pikachu. Yeah. So, oh, we, we can, can do some out. trading when you're here. <gasps> wow. That was a sincere sigh. 
Um, yeah, let's do it. Aww. <laughs> uh, cool. I think we should take a break uh, now that you've mentioned Ultra Sun pushing the boundaries of old school Pokemon as far as it can possibly go. And let's go maybe taking us into the future. Um, I think let's take a break because that I think is going to color a lot of at least my thoughts on Horizon Zero Dawn as we we're going to talk about. Yes. It. Uh, yes, I agree. Why am I talking like a robot all of a sudden? Um, <laughs> Become as gods. Hello, Brendan. Thank you for bringing up Horizon Zero Dawn. I will see you after the break. Beep boop. <laughs> what was that Ooh. one? Ooh. It's like at a studio audience added batteries. That's not like Ganondorf playing the organ in, in uh, Ocarina of Time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See ya. Goodbye. Brendan, we're back. And yeah. we, we are going to talk about more robot stuff. The, my appetite cannot be appeased for mm-hmm. robot stuff. I realized yeah. I, uh, cause I, I got some good bargains on Black Friday. And I got Near Automata and Horizon Zero Dawn for very, very cheap. Mm. Um, so uh, I have been playing a lot more Near Automata, which I might mention in passing. I'm just exponentially loving that game. But I want to check out Horizon Zero Dawn. And at this point, I'm probably like six to seven hours in. Mm-hmm. Um I'd love to talk about it with you. I kind of want to hear your take first before I get into what I'm experiencing. Yeah. That makes any sense. No, absolutely. So I played uh, just around six or seven hours of that game. Um, I played it the week it came out. And at the end of the week on that Thursday, the Nintendo Switch and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild were both released. (laughs) And actually, that's interesting you bring that up because that's something that I, I can't shake from the back of my mind while playing this. So for context, if you're not sure what this game is it came out very early 2017 um developed by guerrilla games who previously i think only made the kill zone series yep which is kind of a wild departure because i never have played kill zone really and i feel like they've always kind of like ebbed and flowed out of obscurity um yeah. it's interesting to think about like having not played the kill zone games i feel like it's unfair to make any kind of commentary but the departure from working on those games to working on a game like this truly does feel like the developers were at one point working on what they thought people would like. Yeah. And then now they're working on something that they actually wanted to make. Um, Right. I think that's, that's sort of what a lot of people have said playing it. Like it feels definitely like a passion project. Yeah. So I'll I'll just say, um, broad strokes. I'm really enjoying it. Um, basically it's an open world game with a very heavy stealth mechanic where, uh, robot stuff you play as a (laughs) huntress named alloy who from a very young age is equipped to fight these mechanical beasts that patrol the land it's a it's a post-apocalypse game in the sense that like not unlike near automata nature has kind of reclaimed the earth but like to the 11th degree where it's like it's basically stone age turning into bronze age kind of level of like natural life yeah but there are underground kind of fallout ruins that hint at like a futuristic future and early yeah, on. Some like great calamity has happened and yeah. humanity is reclaiming the earth after this, it seems. And Alloy from a young age kind of finds this like Bluetooth device that helps her like scan and better understand the world. Yeah. Um, so within a place that I, I think is worth mentioning looks almost exactly like one of the shelters from fallout. 
Yeah, I don't know absolutely. if you noticed that, but the, it has like the literal like giant um what like the vault door um right like right when you fall into the place and you go in and you turn around in like the cave part of it still there is like the bridge that connects to a vault like giant opening which is kind of yeah. fascinating and I don't know if that was intentional to make it look like a vault from Fallout but it very much does it does yeah um but the thing that's interesting is like I like the way the world views the machines they basically at least your tribe the nora which you are an outcast of but they are sort of the central civilization you're familiar with yeah they ban going to what they call like the metal world and Mm -hmm. these beasts um they consider almost a natural element so like in the very beginning this sort of like a Lion King-esque intro where you're like paternal father figures carrying you as a baby and explaining like these are the elements of nature, like fire, earth, wind, and steel. And then you see these like yeah. beautiful mechanical beasts walking around. Um, so I like that they are they are considered part of the natural world, even though they are obviously like at least I mean we don't know yet in the story, but they are mechanical beings. So yeah. their origin is of questionable, you know, make. So uh, it's interesting you bring up the Fallout stuff because I think the vibe I was getting early on. Uh, the story is fun. I, I I couldn't shake the feeling. I'm like, this feels like my favorite made for TV movie in the in the beginning. <laughs> like I, I watched a lot of sci-fi growing up and I feel like this is something that I would look forward to being on. The writing was a little cheesy. It definitely gets better. It's I think the writing is a little uneven. Like it varies between like guys show don't tell to like, yeah, oh, this I is a really good agree. moment. Yeah. Um, it, it most glaringly when like uh, you play through most of the tutorial as a kid. As like a six-year-old, which I actually really liked. I think that was a good way to 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 kind of get you in the shoes of the protagonist. But it's also the game being like, "Hey, you're a baby right now. You don't know how to play yet, baby." Yeah, um, yeah. But either way, I it does not. It, it a- does not achieve the same heights as the uh, young to old part of Ocarina of Time, for example. No, it doesn't. But it's effective, and I think. Uh, but there's a moment where you know y- your your bow is taken from you um as a kid and you have to sneak through a bunch of grass away from these like you know mechanical like beasts patrolling the area yeah, they're called and watchers very literally yeah and there's a guy who's like screaming for help but then you find him and as you're sneaking out he keeps going <laughs> how do you know how to do this yeah. how do you know how to do this over right. and over again i'm like dude shut up like yeah I could say it once. The same thing happened uh, later in the game. There's a bunch of bad guys attacking and someone's like, we'll never make it out. We're outnumbered. We'll never yeah. make it out. And like, I would say that the watcher part is like the most egregious because literally minutes earlier, you are taught by your father figure in this game how to avoid watchers before you are able to see their paths with the uh, yeah. with the little Bluetooth device. So like, like you can already that- do it without the Bluetooth thing. And just because you can now see their paths, it does not make it any more easy or difficult it's also like if if people have been living in this world for forever it's not unthinkable to know that like a child knows how to hide in the bushes um it's not like i'm hacking into them right away like i'm literally just hiding in the tall grass and he's like whoa whoa how do you get that good (laughs) um yeah but it does get better i I honestly was a little worried early on is this gonna be really cheesy but Mm -hmm. it does pick up once you get to the proving um ironically i think that's what the proving is yeah so the story roughly is you are an outcast and you're not sure why it's a very like um tribe-based society with a very strict class system it's run by a group of matriarchs kind of call all the shots 
Yeah. Um, and I really liked the world building. It's a little bit on the nose. Like <laughs> a lot of the dialogue is like, you haven't heard of the matriarchs. They're the ones that do this in the town that's nearby. And there's a sign that shows where the town it's a like, come on. Yeah. Uh, but um, you're an outcast. And, and from a very young age, you're like, why am I an outcast? And your father figure is like, well, I can't tell you, but if you don't want to be an outcast, you can do once you're old enough, you can do the proving where by law, anyone can try out. Um, and you go through this like rigorous test of survival and skill, and then you become what's called the brave, which are like the soldiers, basically. Yeah. Um, and like the front can... lines between the tribe and the like larger, more fucked up, like kill everyone machines. Right. So the not beautiful, uh, majestic machines that you want to harvest for their, you know, little tiny spark plugs. But instead, <laughs> the ones that are shaped like jaguars eight times the size of a regular jaguar that yeah. can shoot fire out of its eyes yeah they have like gasoline tanks on their <laughs> throat yeah um so the proving is where it, the story kind of kicked in for me because um not that i needed it to but it got real dark and very surprising yeah with the choices made absolutely and i was very impressed with them making that like they set it up in a very familiar way and then i'm like oh whoa that's just not happening then like yeah. uh, without spoiling it um and you know like it's very familiar stuff but i do like the protagonist enough that that's enough for me to get immersed in the world I yeah think she's a good she's not it's she's nothing like her her character is nothing we haven't really seen before but I think she's a very good player character because she wants to better understand the world. And because she's an outcast, she also doesn't know everything. So we feel like we're on the same page as she is. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also really liked the training montage of her kind of growing up. And like that was mm-hmm. really, the, the game does these like very subtle effective moments. And then it cuts right back to the you have a bow. It's used for hunting. You can get the bow at the store. The store is there. I'm an outcast. It's like, come yeah, on. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, overall, I'm enjoying it. Uh, in terms of robot stuff, this is robot stuff in the very aesthetic sense of like we're dealing with humanity's survival and like the aesthetic of robot stuff. Whereas near near Automata is like I dreamed my mother was a wire. Mother, mother, mother. Am I beautiful? Am I beautiful? And like weird texts. Like yeah. <laughs> that's the robot stuff I like. So this yeah. this is not quite on the same level as that as that kind of weird william faulkner uh, existential anxiety yeah i feel like horizon is trying to take our relationship with technology to like maybe it's logical conclusion where it fucks us up and then we have to respect it after that and near automata is like we're gonna somehow send a fucking sms to your cell phone while you're playing you know like yeah just weird bizarre shit like that actually so that would be amazing well well i think the story is a little bit inconsistent and and uh you know that is what it is i do think that the core game of of using stealth to fight these robots is excellent like once that gets going yeah. the game the game just like like there and what's really cool is that so mechanically speaking um they do a really nice thing that i love when games do where they kind of color code environment so you learn early on that like red tall grass is where you can hide um, yeah kind of matches your hair in a way so Right away, you kind of know, okay, I know where I can hide. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you scan enemies with your Bluetooth device, you can see what their weaknesses are. You can also see the paths they take. So that's how you can kind of set up traps intuitively. Yeah. Um, switching between weapons and kind of crafting on the go is really fun. And like, you really do feel like you're a hunter. Yeah. And the thing that I was surprised by is when you get caught, the game is still really fun. I almost look forward to when I get caught because then I'm like, okay, can I take on a herd? of robot horses here i go right and like it becomes a really thrilling improvisational battle 
where you're using your intuitive knowledge of these beasts and it's tough like they hit really hard and this is not an open world where you can just run around and, and kill everything like you really have to think like you're a hunter and that's where yeah. i think we'll get into some of the open world stuff in terms of like today's standard for open worlds but i think that the reason this game doesn't feel like it's an amalgamation of elements from past games because it certainly does like you have mass effect dialogue wheels you have very fallout-esque ruins yeah Um, i think i think we can get uh, more into that aspect of things so you could argue that it feels derivative but i think focusing on the stealth mechanic in an open world is something i haven't seen before usually stealth is an option it's not like the mandatory path yeah with maybe the exception of like the only one that really is coming to mind or the only ones that are coming into mind are um the most recent metal gear game yeah that's true and maybe if you consider dishonored an open world maybe that right yeah i think i think to your point like it does replicate the thing that all of my favorite heist movies do where it's like you watch them plan the heist you know for the first act of the movie and then in the second act they try and execute and something gets fucked up in the third act is like okay how are we going to get out of this you know and make that okay um, that is literally what it is like to prepare for, set traps for, and then subsequently fuck up trying to take down a robot. Yeah, so I'm I'm really enjoying, uh, now that the story is getting a bit more interesting for me, and, and I'm more invested in the main character and, like, uh, the world, um, I still think that's not, that's not the element that's pulling me back. Like, Nier Automata's story is, like, why I'm going back. This game, I'm going back to fight robots. Um, yeah. And there's something wrong with that. And I actually think this is a great game to kind of pick up and play whenever, because, like, despite it getting dark here or there, like, it's a pretty, l- it's, it's at least... <laughs> compared to near automata it's a pretty light-hearted affair uh despite how <laughs> yeah. dark it can get it feels like uh in the realm of like uncharted which actually there are some uncharted platforming elements as well there sure there. are yeah. so yeah it does so this game came out 2017 i feel like this game would have been a much bigger deal if like you said it wasn't immediately followed by breath of the wild because yeah. this game and i think <clears throat> this is the point you're getting at when you mentioned ultra sun being the furthest you can push that formula this game feels like an amalgamation of like Witcher three mass effect uncharted, uh, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed. So it feels like an amalgamation of things in the past that was immediately followed by the next step of an open world game. Um, absolutely. So like breath of the wilds, I think does what this game is trying to do just so much better. (laughs) Uh, well, that's that's kind of where I I'll push back because I think like, I think that Horizon did make a big impact almost sure. because it was immediately followed by Breath of the Wild because it was like, okay, here's Breath of the Wild. This is the future of open world games. This is what this genre is going to turn into. This is Nintendo taking a thing that has existed for a long time, refining it to its barest elements, and then inventing something new on top of the structure that we've come to expect. And I feel like Horizon Zero Dawn, weirdly enough, is literally like and i think still like after playing assassin's creed odyssey and and uh spider-man and things like that like horizon zero dawn to me still is the absolute best version of the open world genre that we have come to know over years and years since since grand theft auto 3 i think like if you were to take that and iterate that out as far as possible like horizon zero dawn did take the best elements of every single open world game and franchise that has existed and said like we can cut this out we can keep this we can change this a little bit and made something cohesive and like weirdly kind of perfect but oh that is not the future yeah i i agree i shouldn't say that 
I, I rescind my words a bit because I, I don't think Breath of the Wild is like a better game because they're very different. But I think like as I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn, what I'm thinking of the most is like I can't wait for a sequel to this because I would love to see that kind of formula of like hunting and tracking these robots with like some of the stuff added in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, you know, just just little things like uh, I mean. They're similar in a way where like in Breath of the Wild, you do when you stumble across like the random boss encounters that are just like in the wild, which I loved. Yeah. You kind of have to intuitively figure out like it's not like a traditional Zelda game where like, okay, I got the boomerang. I'm going to use the boomerang to beat this boomerang shaped boss. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of figure it out. Um, And with Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, like you have a bit more of a direct way of doing that, but it's a similar thing where you have to react. You have to like learn like, okay, I know how this horse attacks. I'm going to roll out of the way at the right time. Yeah. I'm really enjoying the game. I think I, I just, uh, it, it's interesting to think of, like, I think you put it perfectly where it's, it's not like it's better or worse. It's just, this is like the final step for the open world game. We knew. And then, you know, breath of the wild is the yeah. next step. Well, cause I mean, I, I think the, the best way of illustrating that is they are both telling a story, which is interesting, right? So like horizon zero dawn is telling a story via quests that you will unlock over time as you are leveling up by going around and doing like the classic there are certain points on a map there are certain mini quests or side quests that i can do and doing those will will level me up and allow me to unlock more stuff in the main quest and then continue doing that until you see the end of the story breath of the wild is also telling a story but that story can happen completely out of sync with what was maybe intended not even what was intended because it was intended to be experienced in any order however you want you can start that game and run immediately to hyrule castle and then go fight ganon and that's your whole fucking experience for the yeah. wild if you want um but simultaneously you could go out and do any of the divine beasts in any order you can see that game in whatever order and play style you want which is i think if you're going to call the genre open world the most open version of that that could exist Oh, sure. Uh, Horizon is still telling a linear story and and falling into the same trappings that old school open world. It's weird to call it old school, but old school open world games fell into. Um, And that is not to say that it is bad, but it is less in line with what the most literal interpretation of the genre could be. Sure. Yeah. And I think I mean, and I don't as we've said on this podcast like i don't mind the linear story at all that's no, how the either. game is built yeah um, i mean look at I what Nier is doing by having you yeah. play the same story over and over and over again uh so Amazing. i'm on i'm on uh the second playthrough of Nier, where i'm now playing as someone else you didn't prepare me for that brendan no said, it's the same game i'm like holy shit yeah uh and it's it is roughly the same beats but i'm getting more and more weird ass vignettes that i tried to em- emulate before with the mother being a cord uh-huh um god I, I will definitely talk about that game again. We'll probably do like a spoiler segment once I get further in. Yeah. And every time um, you mention it, it makes me want to pick that game up and get even more endings. Cause I only got, I think three or four of them total. Yeah, dude, it's great. But, um, I'm really loving horizon zero dawn. It almost feels like a weird, uh, cause we talked about red dead and near last week. It feels like a weird middle ground. Cause the minute I hacked a horse and was riding a robot horse around, I was like, can I clean my robot horse? I can't. <laughs> uh, this is so last gen. Yeah. No, but it's great. I would honestly, even though we just said like, it feels like an amalgamation of, of the past, I would still recommend it. I think it, it oh, me plays too. Yeah. great. Um, it's one of the most immersive survival combat experiences I've had. Like, I feel like I, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of Witcher three and some of the open worldness. The Witcher 3, I feel like combat was always a chore for me. Like, I liked yeah. the story. And I did the not enjoy stuff, combat in that like, game at all. Yeah. Combat was such a chore for me in that game. Whereas in this one, I, I relish it. Like, I, 
and and the and if there was any love poured into this game, it was definitely in the designs of the robots because they are there are a lot of really cool ones. Like there's some you know ones that just like a horse with a light bulb for a face, but then <laughs> there's like which I'm into. Yeah, uh, they kind of remind me of the Geth in Mass Effect. Mm, um, yeah, Legion. Legion as a horse. I'm sure it exists, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> some some fucking 18 plus deviant art page has that definitely oh no anyway um <laughs> uh i lost my did i break you i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to see like do i give legion as a horse a voice in this current moment i was like yeah let me keep talking about Horizon <laughs> we are many you are but one <laughs> <laughs> there it is um but yeah i i'm really loving it and i think that it's it's just a really fun time it feels like it's kind of capturing the uh the i want to say simple joy it's not simple but just sort of that like the feeling you get when you watch a blockbuster movie or you know like you're kind of part you're along for the ride of like a big event that was created to like make a lot of people very happy yeah. Near Automata feels like me and eight other weirdos are like, yes, this is what we wanted. And this is like, but this is what everyone else wanted. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> they didn't want to be like, I drained my uncle was a toaster and I saw his face in the sun. I am nothing. I am nothing. I am nothing. I am yeah. nothing. So, you know, uh, <laughs> a toaster is just alive enough to fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 9S, what's wrong? Huh? Uh, nothing. Just thinking about some stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn would recommend it. If it's still on sale, definitely pick it up. I got the complete edition. Oh, another thing worth mentioning. This game, oddly enough, has loot boxes, but it does not have microtransactions, which is so strange to me, which I'm I'm happy about. Those loot boxes were not in the game when I started playing it, and then when I went and revisited it so we could talk about it today, Yeah, I suddenly, like, I logged in, or I I turned on my old save file, and it was like, here's some loot boxes. I was like, oh, shit, they had microtransactions, and then I went to go see how much they cost, and it was not there. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. They just added loot boxes, which I don't really understand. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I'll take a few glasses of chilled water and some wire. Thank you, merchant. (laughs) Oh, I will say the only other thing I'm not that into in this game, and I think I'm not alone in this uh, based on what I've read, but the combat against the robot animals is so fun and so inventive and so fresh. Oh, the combat against humans is so boring. Mm -hmm. It is so bad. It's like night and day. I don't know what went wrong. Like, I don't... It, it, it it's not even like it's less interesting it like doesn't like feel as good like um yeah, it's, it's not why you're there yeah you and, know i think uh, that's really what it is it's like oh you're forcing me to do this thing that i just don't want to do yeah it reminds me a bit of uncharted where like whenever there's a shootout i'm like all right i gotta get through this you yeah. Know? yeah 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 um i mean it's gotten better in in uh four and lost legacy but there were still like especially in like the final big shootout of lost legacy i was like can i just get to the next point like i don't want to do this yeah but then when you do the like cinematic when you and Nadine are just beating up the main antagonist like that was awesome yeah driving a car into a train like that's what i want i do and that's what i think the lesson from from horizon zero dawn is you know after they did killzone games for so long it's like make the game you want to make centered around what makes that game great totally near automata despite having a strange fishing sub quest never does anything that is outside of its reach yeah in my uh in my in my past life when i was in like a uh cold play slash death cab for cutie adjacent band uh and i was like trying to be the brian eno of the band just like weird fucking creative vision kind of shit the thing i always used to say was there's a part of every song 
that people will either listen to the entire song just to hear and then they'll skip the song after that or start the song over so they can hear that part again. Identify what that part of your song is every single time and then do it twice for those people. Yeah. And I feel like Horizon Zero Dawn weirdly like forgot at a certain point in the game design like that people were there for the robots <laughs> and they were like oh let's do that part again but let's add some gang vocals into the background and that ended up being people fighting it's like that's not why i'm here yeah it's like if horizon zero dawn is like a pop punk band the chorus is the is the machine fights and then they have a weird like slow outro song yeah that's the human fights You're like i don't want this yeah right exactly I don't a want bunch this of, like all. weird sound design yeah <laughs> or it's like just them like talking in the studio like hey i can't hear you it's like, I don't, get to the next song yeah exactly my mother's a toaster yeah 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 my mother's a toaster she burned me yeah yeah i just want to be beautiful can't you look at me i just want to be beautiful am i not beautiful enough i've eaten so many machines and androids and i'm still not beautiful oh oh that's <laughs> yeah i am into it i like horizons are done a lot i love my robot stuff that i got for very little money um <laughs> I will say that game, from what I have heard from people who have played all of it, has just an incredible ending. Like that story, like super fucking pays off, which is kind of my only drive to continue playing it. I'm into it. Like I like um, I really like the world, Like even though it's kind of like delivered to you in a very like, here is the exposition way, the dialogue. Mm -hmm. Like I like the, the setup of the different tribes and how some tribes like have outlawed digging into, you know, ruins of the past and some don't mind and um you know yeah. like the 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 bad guys that are set up seem to be using a lot of modern technology which is kind of interesting right and maybe f- kind of foreshadows oh i wonder what happened to the humans mm-hmm. uh originally it's another interesting thing that i couldn't stop thinking about is like you do encounter real animals every now and then but they're just like boars and turkeys that die in one hit yeah and i'm like man the animals don't stand a chance i'm like oh maybe that's why the world is just mechanical lions right now (laughs) like i think all the real animals probably got destroyed by like the the like voltron eagles and stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah i'd recommend it it's this is a game that I would recommend to anyone. I think it's it's very fun. It's a little difficult, but it, it teaches you everything you need to do as a child. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and it, it gives you those Mass Effect moments that are actually kind of fun. Like there's a moment early on where this like jerk throws a rock at your head and he's like outcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can choose to either like place the rock in front of you and move on. You could throw the rock back at him. Yeah. Or you could do what I did. You can knock his rock out of his hands right because he's getting he's preparing another rock to throw at your head again (laughs) i love it too because those are those are presented to you as like i think it's like an angry face so it's like it's like (laughs) clearly like the bad option to throw the rock back at his head yeah there's there's a little heart next to uh put the rock down and like move on but then next to the one where it's throw the rock at his hand it's a brain icon like this is the logical (laughs) move obviously you would throw that everyone's like that outcast is a nerd what a heady (laughs) what a heady concept yeah yeah imagine if mass effect was like paragon what what are the two it's like paragon renegade and nerd and nerd (laughs) (laughs) there's some batarian gangsters getting your face you're like wow wow. now now gentlemen we can all agree the pythagorean theorem is is the best right (laughs) they just steal your lunch money yeah (laughs) give me your credits nerd <laughs> Garrus is like Shepard. I have a book report due next week. I was hoping you, <laughs> I was could, hoping uh, you could help me out. Maybe write it. It's for one flew over to the cuckoo's nest. I, I hope you enjoy it. It's a play, but you know. 
reading is reading. <laughs> I can't really do Garrus that well. It's hard to because his voice is like a couple at once. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's the best. I love Garrus. Should we wrap up? Yes. That sounds like the end. That sounds like the end. This is a fun one. Uh, you want to wrap up this time since I did last week? Yeah, sure. Um, I feel like we do have to do our, our classic bit where we talk about the things that we're going to talk about next week and then not talk about them. And then never do it. Yeah. So what's on the what's on the horizon zero dawn for me? Um, Smash Brothers comes out this week. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I. Yeah. Do you so have that, plans that, to do that? I, you said that you were planning on maybe having a bunch of people over. You're going to like do a whole event. I know that I'm a, doing that with my friends. Yeah, I'm throwing a party and having some friends over to play the Sunday after launch. Because um, yeah. I, I, I made the event, so people are like, thank God this is on the day. I'm already going to an event. I'm like, well, Ooh. we'll do the Sunday night. Everyone's already mained Piranha Plant, and we'll see oh. who's the best. So after, um, so okay, that'll be after we've recorded. Yeah, I guess it will be. Um, God, I will be that'd spending be really the cool. previous night playing. Uh, so I will have lots. Maybe of what we can do is we could, you can talk about the smash brothers party this episode and I'll talk about whatever bullshit I'm up to. And then the next week I'll talk about my party. <laughs> Cause this is a game that I don't think uh-huh. is going to go anywhere out of, in our conversations. No, I mean, it. we've alluded to this multiple times, but of course our podcast is going to be f- sponsored by super smash brothers, yeah. you know, like, um, otherwise I, I'm definitely down to talk about Nier Automata again as I get more into that. I did pick up Final Fantasy X and Ten Two remastered. Oh yeah, you mentioned um, that. So I might I might revisit that, which could be fun because I know that ten is the one Final Fantasy you played. Yep. Um do you ever play Ten Two? No. I I feel like I know enough about Ten Two to maybe like not play that first, but I'm also very curious because I have never played it. So right. like um but I just know that it's like not like 10 isn't 10 probably has my favorite combat in a final fantasy game because it's entirely turn-based and like you can see the turn order on the left whereas 10 2 i know is like active time battle which is like mm-hmm. the anxiety of real-time combat with the like paralyzing stress of turn-based <laughs> combat and yeah I'm like i don't know if i want to do that but um yeah i don't know also i i also asked my roommate if i could borrow final fantasy 15 so i still Everything I say that's on the horizon, it will eventually happen. Um, but yeah, it depends same on with me. I mean, I, I am also simultaneously playing Diablo 3 and Civilization 6, both on the Nintendo Switch. I do want to play Persona 5 uh, after we talked about it. Always that down is, to talk about Persona. Yeah, that um, is the thing that I will probably get back into. Uh, also, going back to our original brand, I still haven't beaten Hollow Knight, so that's still kind of on the horizon, because I would mm-hmm. love to talk about that with you once I finally finish it. I'm at the Night Watchers, and I was like, I could wait eight months to play this again. <laughs> um, yeah. But, I could see myself yeah. playing that game again from the beginning, honestly. Oh, you know what the big one is, I think, that I'm, I'm waiting for you, I'm waiting for your, like, go sign for this, um, is God of War, because I know you have God of War now. Oh, yeah, I did. My So I ironically or not ironically coincidentally i got a very dear friend of mine eric if you're listening hello hi eric uh i got him persona 5 for his birthday Mm -hmm. and he was like okay so here not to undermine your present but here are like five games i'm willing to give away because like i like all them but i'm trying to sell these but i will give this to you for free because you got me a gift oh that's Um, nice and they were games that he was like, I like all these, but I probably will not play them again. Yeah. So I think it was Rise of the Tomb Raider, 
the the three hours between Rise of the Tomb Raider, Wolfenstein Two, mm. and God of War. Yeah. Um, and I went with God of War. Yeah. Um, so and he said, "Good choice." As I chose it. <laughs> so I'll definitely get to that too. I know it's and very then as sad. you were leaving his lab. Gary Oak was like, I picked Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then you guys had to fight. <laughs> uh, God of War used bubble. Yeah. <laughs> Boible. You'll get that joke when you play it. Boible. I, I'm sure I will. Boible. Um, yeah, but I'm excited to play that because I've, I've yeah. only heard amazing things. And That's I also am like- itching to play that game again because uh, I played through that game in like two sittings. Uh, they have released New Game Plus. In the meantime, I have read Neil Gaiman, uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, Norse mythology retelling oh, cool. book. So I'm like, Ugh, I just want to play yeah. that game again. So let me know like the minute you start it and I will start it again. Maybe I'll game do Plus. that this week because I feel like I also like even though like we strive to be cool and different and like indie and this is the worst <laughs> sentence I've ever said. But I do feel <laughs> some internal pressure to play all the big games of the year mm. like at this point, all the like the big game of the year contenders I've played, except for God of War and Assassin's Creed. Um, yeah, I honestly so, like I don't know if Assassin's Creed is going to make my list personally, but I do know yeah. that God of War will be up there. Yeah, I think Red Dead will be on mine. Um, yeah. Also, I'm really happy Celeste has been on a lot of people's. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, there's so many games that come out. Like, it, it's just like the Oscars. Like, it's not a representation of like what is truly the best. But yeah. I think at the very least it creates discussion and it and it invites people kind of celebrating the games they love and that's what's cool about it. Yeah. Do so. you want to talk about our game of the year plans? Because we have, I think, mostly solidified what we're doing for game of the year. Yeah. So what Brandon and I are going to do, I'm actually going to be home. So we're going to do another one where we're in person. Which um, are always the best. Those are always the best episodes. Yeah. We've done one and that was the best. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> If you want to listen to the best episode of this podcast, go listen to that one and skip all the um, rest. Skip all the rest. Uh, but we're going to be in person and Brent and I are each going to independently make a list of like seven ish games, I think. Yeah. Five to or ten. like five to ten. And then of games really loved. And then we're going to form one list. So we're going to try to form like, I think, a top five. Um, yeah. Maybe in no order. Maybe we'll highlight ones we especially liked, but I think I, like I think no we order. have to. Oh, I think oh, we you have, have to, to order. I think we have to rank them. I think you and I need to need to like fight over who is going to be number one and why. Okay, I like that's more dramatic. That's more. That's dramatic. the thing. I, th- I think I think people got to come for the spectacle. You know. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so we'll each make a list of five to ten, and then we will make a collective list one to five. That is the. That is the canonical into the aether top five of 2018. Yeah. Because I think we'll also, I think I like the idea of like you and I having to like compromise. We're gonna have to like strategize. Like you know, okay, I'll give you Celeste at, at the number three slot if you can put uh, f- fucking I don't even. How know. dare you already make me compromise Celeste to number three? But anyway, <laughs> this, this is this is the drama we'll get into. Yeah, uh, that, in a couple this of weeks. is what I want. This is the yeah. this is the shit. This is, that's what the people come here for. I just bought Pay-per-view, like a Celeste night. painting. Um, oh, it's amazing, by the way. Do you yeah, get that from Fan, uh, Fangamer? Fangamer, yeah. Fangamer's a lot of cool... I don't know their story, but I, I know, like... I first heard of them because Toby Fox partnered with them. Because, like, yeah. everyone was like, hey, Undertale merch, please. And he was like, I won't make it. And then all the fans were like, we'll make it. And he's like, no, okay, I'm going to make it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So there's some cool stuff there. And yeah. then Great there's a website. few other games. Yeah, there's some Hollow Knight stuff. They only have, like, a handful of games, but I feel like it's all... 
like they're well chosen i mean it's yeah. like it's like all the fucking classics that you would want like all the modern classics it's like yeah you got undertale on there you got stardew valley on there you got hollow knight on there i think persona, persona 5 is persona in there. Five's on there yeah, yeah. it's a great site so i'd I check them out. That's that's not an endorsement. Well, it is an endorsement, but they didn't pay us to say that. Yeah, um, I would say I would say this is an endorsement of of FanGamer, uh, but yeah. it it is not an ad for FanGamer. Yeah, they also always send bonus stuff. Uh, I've oh, ordered. That's cool. Because I recently ordered a lot of stuff for friends. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: If you're a friend and listening to this, um, <laughs> I got some gifts there, and they always throw in like a sticker or a pin. At this point, I have like eight pins. I have a a. Uh, I have a pin with Flowey on it. I have a pin nice. with Shovel Knight on it, and I have a pin with Majora's Mask on it. Oh, that's so great. they always they always send you a pin. Yeah, I have it on my backpack. Uh, unrelated, I also just got the Hollow Knight uh, vinyl, which is cool. <gasps> oh, very cool. Yeah, uh, that was a gift from my friend Chris. Hello, Chris, if you're listening. Yeah, cool shit. Oh, you know what I did get? I we didn't talk about this because uh, for just for full disclosure, uh, <laughs> last week when we recorded the episode it was hot on the heels of Black Friday, where I got two sick deals. One of them was red and blue neon Joy Cons, and the other one was food poisoning. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> that's if you listen close to the episode, it's me being like near automata both reinvents and deconstructs the genre. And Brennan's going, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. kill. Me. yeah uh so that's why i barely spoke last week but anyway you know I got, you know in your automata when you're fighting eve and he goes it's all your fault nothing <laughs> matters anymore that was just you on the toilet yep to yeah me. basically that, that yeah, was me that was a bit blue i'm sorry no it's okay so i did get uh red and blue neon joy cons because when i bought the nintendo switch it was the day of i had not pre-ordered it uh and the only one they had in stock was gray and now i got the red and blue joy cons and i gotta say I feel like a million times better about using the switch now. Like every time I Dude. look at them, I just feel happy, yeah. which I'm is very, this, weird. This feels like the first arc of the show because when I first got a switch, I had them and you're like, oh, I wish I had those. I'm so happy you now live in the better reality. Yeah. Um, it it li- like it really literally, this is, I'm not kidding. It brings me joy. Every time I look over at my switch dock, which is sitting, there's like uh, a link and a Ganondorf amiibo and then the hollow knight vinyl is behind it and my switch is sitting there with the red and blue joy cons and i smile every single mm, time that's amazing i actually just got a luigi amiibo for my, oh, for my roommate um but he's like just keep it on the bookshelf where we have because we have three yeah it's uh wedding day bowser uh inkling girl and mewtwo and now yeah. luigi's so they all look like they're presenting so now i have luigi in the center they're all like here he is yeah wait which one is it uh which which luigi is it the smash brothers one or is it the mario brothers one it's the one where he's like leaning forward kind of like a dolphin arc oh yeah that's the smash one yeah it's the smash brothers luigi yeah that's good the smash brother (laughs) luigi the smash brother yeah luigi wasn't their last name luigi or something their last names are canonically mario luigi mario luigi smash brothers mario yeah that also does mean that we maybe either don't know mario's first name or his name is mario mario what's waluigi's last name that's a great question probably like smith or something. <laughs> <laughs> waluigi smith i like the idea of waluigi smith that's very good you know what my theory is? I'm not alone in thinking this. I know we're going to wrap up soon, but I want to share some last minute lore with you. Yeah, please. Um, do you ever play the game Wrecking Crew? No. It's for the original NES. The 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 first, I When I was a kid, I used to call it old Nintendo because my sister had that and I got Super Nintendo. Yeah. Because I'm the younger sibling. There's a game called Wrecking Crew where you basically played as Mario and Luigi, but you worked on a construction site Whoa. and you had to like break. It's really fun. You had to break down like stone walls and... Um, avoid 
uh, enemies coming your way. So they're like weird eggplant walking around. Yeah, um, this is amazing. I don't know how I've never seen this. The goal was you had to destroy all the walls and that's how you beat it. Um, but there was a recurring antagonist that was like your boss. I think he was just called like the foreman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looked a lot like Wario. He had like a yellow hat. And really? Like, so I always kind of wonder if that was like prototype Wario um, before he got his own game. Because I think the first time Wario came about was in mario land 2 for the Mm -hmm. game boy he was the villain right um and then mario land 3 was wario worlds where he had his own that game's awesome i love wario world is awesome like i love wario where inc but the the old game boy wario games were awesome yeah they they were were really 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 fun yeah uh highly recommended if you have a game boy advance sp um Which is and, so and only a Game Boy Advance SP. Well, what I've done to condense all the shit I have is I got from one of those like retro video game stores. I got an SP so I could play everything on Game Boy Advance and older in one place. And then I have my 3DS so I could play DS and 3DS. So I only have two devices. My connection was lost. I can't help but feel like you signed off during this conversation. That was very funny because I was like, so the reason I condensed my library and I was like, <laughs> this connection yeah, was, lost. Skype gave up. <laughs> Skype was like, I hate this. This sucks. This Zero is not a stars. conversation. I need to connect over online. <laughs> <laughs> so someone on the Skype operating room got food poisoning. It was like, I'm canceling this show. Well, so yeah, that's what's on the horizon. I think next episode definitely expects some smash from one of us for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We will. We. But the thing is, the game will have come out. So I will have played it. I just won't. I won't have had the big event. For yeah, it, but I'm. I'm honestly interested in how. I don't know how much insight I will have into that game by that point because it's going to come out on what Friday the seventh, and then comes out on Friday. Yeah, yeah, and then we're recording Sunday morning, so we'll see. Yeah, but I'm really excited. Uh, and then yeah, and then also like just know that like even if we've already talked about a game we can always revisit it like we're not like a one and done kind of show Uh uh-huh you always laugh at me when i'm trying to say something real (laughs) i don't i don't know just we're not a one and done kind of show just feels like that was that was a cowboy way to say tagline under under applebee's (laughs) in the in the ad (laughs) you think we're a one and done kind of restaurant you're out of luck half off all appetizers on tuesday yep all right sizzler well, come on down sizzler come on down that's it i'm out of, i'm out of stuff yeah let me let me uh let me do our, our classic shit uh thank you to everyone who listened uh to any episode but especially this one up until now uh really means a lot that so many of you continue to listen um and i know we say that every week but that is because we are like seriously very grateful it is very hard to launch a video game podcast in 2018 because there are so many of them uh, yeah the fact for- that any of you take time to listen to this one is rad for a show that started with the sentiment of Brendan asking, so what is this? I'm very happy that, <laughs> that anyone is listening. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it means a lot. Um, if you want to help the show, obviously sharing is the best way. A lot of you have done that just unprompted, which is unreal. Cause like real talk, Br- Brendan and I are both the kind of people that don't like asking people to do stuff for us. <laughs> yeah, very much. So that, that, I think that's partially why our signups are always so awkward. Cause I don't want to be like, like if you've already listened, you've already done what we like hope people do. Um, yes. But if you really feel like you're like, you know what? I want to help the show even more. Sharing it is great. Um, real talk. Like we have a lot of fun doing it. I, and I, I think at this point we have enough pride in the show that like we like people listening. Yeah. We wouldn't keep making it otherwise. And uh, rating it on iTunes. Uh, a lot of you have done that already. You, you've written very beautiful reviews. Uh, it's unreal. 
Um, you don't even have to write a review if you don't want to like go that in depth. Like just rating it is also helpful. Yeah, totally. So if you just want to you know give it how many stars you th- you deem appropriate is helpful. Um, but writing a review is also very cool. So yes. do whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, but most importantly, uh, it means a lot that you're listening, and uh, we will provide you with more smash brothers content very soon (laughs) when this transitions fully into a smash brothers only podcast yeah exactly any any other last thoughts no not really um that's that's basically it i think uh i think let's roll let's roll well let's roll autobots time to hunt gasoline throat tigers i hope that's not like a I hope that's not like a bad sl- saying. <laughs> Are you Googling that for real? Because you're worried that throat tigers is, is bad slang. Just some like 1910 term for like someone who like doesn't know the stock market. <laughs> you gasoline throat tiger. Anyway, that's that it. with Detective Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, hey, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Yes. And Goodbye. week. And week and month and year. Goodbye. My mother my mother is a fish. Goodbye. <laughs>